I want to open up this, the, these last seven and eight verses uh, here in the book of James with just kind of uh, something that we're, we're attempting in our home uh, right now. So over the past several years, we've tried to develop conversation, nine-year-old, a seven-year-old, a four-year-old, and a two-year-old myself and Catherine. And so that, that's, our, that's what our house is like. And so, you know, getting everybody still enough to have a conversation is, is not always easy. And trying to have conversations in the car, if you've ever done that, you know what that. So for a while, we would ask them about their pits and their peaks for the day. You know, so what, what, was, your, what was your high and your low? Recently, Noah Ferguson helped me with this. <laughs> we uh, asked the question, give me your high, give me your low, and give me your buffalo, okay? So the buffalo is just like the random fact of the day that you wanna have. But we try to have consistency. Uh, right now, we're attempting it around the table and, and have consistency of the question. Kids, give me your high, your low, and your buffalo. Well, what the book of James is gonna do here for these, past, for these, these last several verses is it, James is going to pastor us into seeing that God cares about the highs and the lows and the buffaloes of our lives and God's people ought to as well. And so he's going to shift us into some very personal conversation. And so what we're going to look at today is going to have a whole lot to do with the way that we relate to each other and that we recognize that in our midst, there, are a, there is just so many highs, lows, and buffaloes going on. And so we're gonna be aware of that. And so not everybody is in the same season of life and place. Uh, not everybody is equally struggling. Not everybody is equally celebrating. And so we're gonna walk through uh, that today. But as we're faithful to the text that we're gonna be in, there's also gonna be some conversations that we're gonna need to have that involves like what we do as an individual as well, if I am suffering or if I'm in a place where I am sick or if I'm in a place where I lack faith. And so we're gonna have those conversations. So if you will, go ahead and open up your outline there. Uh, in your worship guide, I'm going to read James chapter 5, verses 13 through the end, verse 20. And then we will begin our study. This is the word of God. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Let's pray together. Father, I, I ask a very simple prayer this morning that you, by your great power and in your grace, 
Lord, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear the beauty of the gospel of Jesus? Would you give us the ability of Jesus' name, the name above all names? Amen. All right, so if you will, look at your outline there. And, and what we wanna do is, I need you to know no matter where you are today, and that includes me up here in front of you, no matter where we are today, in whatever season of life we're in, I want you to know that God sees you, God knows you, God loves you. We wanna be a people who can see and know and love in a way that is like our Lord Jesus, okay? And so, so what I want you to see this morning is, is this, is may we be a community of faith there at the top of your outline that walks with one another in our number one, in our sufferings. See, James is gonna just walk through, a, he's gonna give a couple of uh, thoughts here at the beginning. He, he's gonna say, hey, is anyone among you suffering? Now, when we hear the word suffering, there are many things that go through our head. The first thing we need to do is ask, what is James more than likely thinking about himself? You know, because the Bible is not gonna mean something today that it never meant then, okay? So what is James talking about? It is very possible that James is referring to persecution. If we go back to the immediate context that we were in earlier in these verses, if we look at the even context of the, the letter being sent out to a dispersed people, it is very possible that he is referring to or primarily even thinking on a persecuted people. So people suffering because of their proclamation of the gospel and who they were in Jesus, okay? So they were just, they were being persecuted. That is not the only kind of suffering that James has spoken about. He is talking about, he has talked about trials. He's talked about temptation. He's talked about many different places. And so what I want us to do is understand it is very possible that James is thinking about persecution, but there are also a, a, there's also a broad label of suffering that we just can understand that the God who is the God of the Bible, the God we're talking about today, he cares about it. He cares about your particular sufferings. You're not alone in them. He sees them, he knows them, and he loves you in them. I'm reminded of a story I've, I've told before in here, and, and it proved to be helpful uh, for many, and so I'll share it again. But when our daughter Annie Ruth was being born, uh, it was, it, you know, we had been just waiting and waiting and waiting, and, and, and Catherine began, you know, she said, I think I'm in labor. You know, I think this is starting to happen. And so, so I began, you know, we... I, well, actually, I was watching football, to be honest. Seriously, I was watching. I really was. I really was. I was watching football. It was a big night in, in the football world that night. And so I remember I was standing in front of the TV. She's all excited and also kind of in, in pain. And so she's packing bags and getting everything ready. And, and so we're, you know, should we call the parents? Should we not? What should we do? And so we, we end up about midnight starting to make phone calls. So we're, we're calling our doctor. We're calling parents. Uh, you know, starting to make way to the hospital. By the time we're ready to get in the vehicle, I mean, my sweet girl's in pain, okay? So like labor, I mean, it, it is about to happen. And so I'm starting to think, is this gonna happen in the car? So I didn't know what else to do. So I cut on Lecrae and drove real fast. And so that's, that's, kinda, that's kinda where we were, not my best moment. But we get, we, get to, we get to the hospital, we get in the waiting room in the ER, and one of, my, one of our friends actually came up and was greeting, you know, greeting us and getting her checked in. And he, and he said, what, what's your pain level for one to 10? And she said, a four. And I was like, a four? Are you kidding me? Like, you're on all fours at our house. Like, this is not, it cannot be a four. And she said, well, what about if you were like bitten by a shark or something? It'd be worse. Okay, point, point is this. 
The point is this. What I have noticed in the Christian world and specifically the Christian world that I get to pastor in is that most of the time you don't see your suffering as really mattering. You believe your suffering is always a four and someone else is always above yours. And there's, there's some wisdom in that. There's some perspective in understanding that, that there are people that are suffering, not just around us, not just in our faith family, but all over the world. Okay, and so your suffering is very relevant. I mean, I mean, very relative, I agree. But your suffering also matters deeply to the God of the Bible. It, it, it's not looked at. He doesn't you know, push it away and say, it's just a four, someone else is way worse. That, that's not how it works. And as a church body, as a community of faith, we need to understand that no matter if it's a one on the scale or a 10 on the scale, that, that suffering matters. And so as a community of faith, we need to be an encouragement to each other. You need to assume that there are people maybe next to you, uh, maybe around you who are in a season of suffering and there certainly are in this room. And we need to be an encouragement to those. So no, if you're suffering in the room today or you find yourself there, let me tell you, God cares in this place, even if you feel like you are. And so I wanna speak that, that over you. I also wanna encourage the person who may be in a season of suffering right now. I wanna encourage you as the Bible does here, that if anyone is suffering, pray, pray persevere in prayer. Even if you think God doesn't hear me or the ceiling is really small right now and my prayers are hitting me in the face. Even if you feel he sees you, he knows you, he loves you. So may we be a community of faith that walks with one another in our sufferings. But secondly, we see may we be a community of faith that walks with one another in our celebrations. I love kind of the flow of James here. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. He says, is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Because what's so unique about being a part of a faith community, of being a part of the church, is, is you're gonna have somebody in here today who you may be having one of your happiest moments. Uh, we, we've, we've got people who are, you know, who have newborns, in the room and we have people who I love you so much, not trying to get you to tear up, but who are having your, your that used to be a newborn checking into college this week. We got a few of you, I know you, I love you. I've cried a little bit too, okay, I mean, it's, it's, it's rough. I, I was helping with move in this past Friday and the older that I get and the more that I'm called sir and the more that I realize Listen, hey, I know I'm young compared to a lot of you, but listen to me, I'm double the age of a college freshman. So I'm, in fact, it's, that was last year. It's actually more than double. Uh, but, I'm, but I'm starting to move them in. They were born in 2001. That's when I graduated. So it, it's, it's starting to get pretty, you know, get pretty real. But it used to bother me that people called me sir. Now it bothers me that it's way easier for me to connect with their parents than it is with them. <laughs> It also bothers me that every little blonde-haired girl that walks by that we're checking in, I just see that my kids are about to be there and I just had a just terrible time on Friday. So all that is to say, listen, we've got celebrations going on and we've got suffering going on and we've got everything in between. But, but what James is leading us in, and James is just a great pastor, he's just saying God cares about it all. Like all of it's important. And as a faith family, I'm glad we have people celebrating I'm sad that people are suffering, but I know that that's part of what life in this world is like. It's beautiful and it is so broken. 
And we need to walk with each other through the seasons of life that we're in. So may, may we be a community of faith that walks with one another in our sufferings and also in our celebrations. But thirdly, he makes a, a, a move to a text that is extremely uh, debated. There's all kinds of opinions. We're not gonna go in great depth with it today uh, with the speed that we're moving in this text, but I certainly want to be faithful to it. And so here, here's the, the third question that James asked. He says, is anyone among you sick? <laughs> now this word sick is, can, can, and, and so what has happened over, over time is people in the context of what this is. So let me, let me, let's, let's make sure we, we see it. I read it, but just make sure you get it. It's it, someone sick. They call for the elders. They call for their pastors. Come to me. Their pastors come, they pray over them. They anoint them with oil. And it says that the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. Okay, so what has happened is that we, we say, okay, what happens when, when somebody is sick? James gives us a description of what to do. So the person calls, the pastors come, they lay hands over, they anoint with oil, they pray, they believe, they cry out to God and they're not healed. That certainly has been the case even in this room. So in a rebuttal or that, or, or, or to make sense of that, people have said, okay, well, the word sick can't mean physical sick. So it must just mean weak spiritually. It must just mean weakness or weariness spiritually because we know that he can forgive sin. So it's gotta be talking about that healing. It can't be talking about physical. And so they create a James five passage that doesn't involve the physical, the, the physically sick. What I need you to hear this morning is, is this, is that the God of the Bible, the, the King that I serve, King Jesus, he is a King who cares about the whole of a person. He cares about the whole of your body. He cares about the whole of your soul. He cares about you socially. He cares about you emotionally. He cares about you physically. He cares about you spiritually. He cares about the whole of a person and the new work that he has accomplished on the cross that is moving and making way for a newness to come when he returns is something that answers not just a spiritual uh, call. It, it heals the whole. It's physical, it's spiritual, it's all of it. Jesus, as he sits in his nature, he is both God, fully God, he is fully man. He is the mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. And so when we talk about Jesus, we need to understand he cares about your body and he cares about your soul, okay? Hear that. When James is writing here in this passage, James is a pastor. He has been leading us through many different things. He's talked about people being double-minded. He's definitely talked about some spiritual weaknesses. He's talked about some generalities of, of some of the places where the people were in that, that would lead us to believe that there was certainly some weaknesses in the spirituality of the church. He also has talked about some specific things like showing partiality, misuse of the tongue. He's talked about particular things that were sinful in his midst. It is very possible that when James is leading in this passage, that he is talking about specific situations that involve people who were sick due to their sin. 
Now that's not something that we want to talk about often, but it's very possible that that's what James has in mind when he is talking here, that there are specific things that have taken place that have led to the sickness of people. And so there's spiritual sickness, there's physical sickness, and it's all together. And that's what he's calling them to call the elders to come to them and pray. So that he's talking about more of a specific thing. I don't think we can really know exactly what James is talking about here. I think we need to be very faithful uh, to what we know is true about Jesus and what is true about the Bible and what he calls us to, what's true about sickness and healing, what's true about sin, what's true about grace, what's true about forgiveness. And we see that and we study it in, in the midst of this, this text. And, and so what, what I wanna lead you in is this. I don't want anybody walking out of the room today believing that it was your lack of faith that led to something bad happening in your family as far as sickness. I also don't know if we can always believe that the healings that we see took place was because we had a greater faith uh, than we did. Uh, when, when people are healed, it's, it's the Lord who is healing. And, and when people are not healed, the Lord is with us and for us and he's never against us. And in the last days, he's going to ultimately heal. My point is this, is may we be a community of faith that walks with one another in our sickness, physical sickness. May we be a community that walks with people when we're too weary to move, when we're too weak to get up. If that's where you are and you find yourself in there, please call. That's what he's saying to do, call. I can't get to you, come to me. I also wanna remind you this, is that it's possible that you can be physically sick and it affects your spirituality a ton. It is also possible that you can struggle and, and be in the midst of some major wrestlings uh, spiritually and it affects you physically. All of those can affect the whole of the person. And so just know that the God of the Bible, he cares. And what he's calling to do is this, is he would say, go, go have, the, have the elders come to you and they would anoint with oil and pray a prayer of faith and healing over the person. And so you may be a person in the room today and you're like, is he talking about thieves? <laughs> you know, is, this, is this essential oils that he's talking about? Uh, I, this, this is, this is met, more than likely medical oils that is being talked about, but it would be like a reminder as it's being placed on the body. It would be a reminder of the presence of God and his healing power and his personal connection to them. It would be a reminder that he knows your physical pain and he is here with you. It was also just kind. It was also a medicine to them. It would be like, take some Tylenol, take your medicine, go to the doctor, and we are in prayer over you today. You know, so with that being said, uh, the community of faith was involved walking with not only the suffering, not only the celebrations of life, but also, also those who were sick. But let's deal with the second half of that. And it's may we be a community of faith that walks with one another in our sin, and really, I want to combine the, these next two, the sin and the healing. I want to really connect those two together. But let, let's look at the text here. It says, the prayer of faith will save the one who's sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Um, and, and, and also, if you want to make a, a note there, when we're studying Mark chapter two, we're going to have a entire time. We're talking about the paralytic in the, in, in the healing and, you know, get up and take your, pick your bed up and walk. 
Uh, That text in particular, we're gonna deal with this subject again, okay? So it's gonna be coming up fairly soon. But what verse 16 says is this, is therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And and so I'm trying to think how to even, even talk about this. It is so important that we are a faith family that provides a safe place for sin to be confessed to each other. You are not called by God or by anyone else. No, right, you will not find James saying that you should, con- that you should confess everything to every person. That, that is not what God is telling you to do. But within the community of faith, confession of sin is part of how God heals our soul. It is so vital to us. I, I always tell you, and I I say this and I I stand by it, that I do believe that life groups are our best opportunity for this setting to, I mean, for this context to happen. I mean, for the the best setting for this kind of confession to take place, where there's time for relationships to build enough for there to be an openness about where someone is. I was, you know, in different times of having conversations with people, it's, you know, it's, I've struggled with the, the actual context, but I believe that's our best setting. It's not something new, you know, to the, you know, last 20 years or 30 years of Christianity. Uh, it's always been necessary to have a space where you can be known and loved. I, I was reading a journal by John Wesley, and this was, this was actually from May the 1st, 1738. Okay, so that's, we're going back a few years. And he was talking about how him and a group of other believers were applying the text, therefore confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. And he records how he and their, how they made this verse a working reality in their lives. And here's what it says, and I have to hold it close because my eyes aren't good. He says, uh, in obedience to the command of God by St. James and by the advice of uh, of someone named Peter, he said, it is agreed by us. Here's three things they were gonna do. Number one, that we will meet together once a week to confess our faults to one another and pray for one another that we may be healed. Number two, that the person so meeting be divided into several bands or little companies none of them consisting of fewer than five and no more than 10 persons. Man, he wrote some rules for that, didn't he? Uh, and, And then number three, that everyone in order speak as freely, plainly, and concisely as he can the real state of his heart with his, with, with his several temptations and deliverances since the last time of meeting. Now, I do want you to know it is, you need to know that it is a safe place for you not to feel like you have to confess everything in one moment or one sitting or even talk about all of your sufferings or celebrations or everything just based on your response to this message today, okay? But I do want you to see the need for us to be seen, known, and loved is gonna have to involve community. See, God sees you. He knows you and he loves you. But, but for us, one of the greatest freedoms and the greatest healing that we can have outside of being loved by God is being loved by each other. 
and somebody knowing you, in a sense, knowing the unlikable parts of your life and loving you anyway. It's people knowing where you actually are and stepping in and holding your hand and walking you through the darkness. It's being seen, known, and loved, not only by God, but by his people. In 17, whatever year that was, uh, back, back in the day, they were doing their best to create little spaces. That was, that was John Wesley's little life groups there, you know, five to 10 people. He was saying, we need to have a space that's not in a row. It's not like this right here. It wasn't the space that involved the mass preachings that they were doing. We need a space where you can be known and yet seen and loved. And that's what we see happening there. We wanna be a church, a faith community that walks with one another in our sin and also in our healings. I wanna see you find freedom. I don't wanna see you just sit here and fake it till you make it. I want you to be a person who you find deep freedom and being loved by Jesus and walking with Christ's people. And to do that, you're gonna have to be known and loved, and that is so scary. I know it is scary for you, and some of you may have been hurt. We've gotta be a people of forgiveness, okay? And so let's walk together in this. May we be a community of faith that walks with one another in our sufferings, our celebrations, our sickness, our sin, our healings. And then the last few are gonna flow right together, our faith journey. I love these next verses. It goes into uh, the, the next part here. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed fervently that it might not rain and for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruits. Now I, I have times when I'm in conversations with people and they'll say, hey, let's get, uh, let's get Colby to pray. He, you know, he'll say it better than I would or, or let's get Keith to pray because he'll say it more clearly or, or let's get this and you'll, you'll have those kind of things come up often, especially if you're invited into someone's house and it's a, you know, a public prayer of sort. But what we get the idea of is that, okay, there's some people who have faith to pray, but, but, you know, but we're supposed to walk with each other and pray for each other and celebrate each other. But I just, you know, what about my prayer? What about my personal faith? And, and what James says is he reminds, it reminds you, he says, hey, remember Elijah. And all of us that have read 1 Kings, remember Elijah. He's one of my favorite people in the whole Bible. Who Elijah is a guy who the example that's given here is a massive, I mean, has just a massive faith in God. That he was, he was, he asked, he, he cried out to heaven for it to stop raining and stop raining. And then three years later, he cried out to heaven for it to begin rain, raining again and it started raining again. And so we're like, man, how did he have that kind of faith? You know, I, that must be my problem. I don't have faith like Elijah. I'm not like Elijah. I'm not this. I, I'm going to help you for a second. Elijah may have been pretty awesome in his faith right there when he was calling for it to stop raining and for it to start again. But in between that story, let me tell you something about Elijah. He is certainly a person with a nature just like ours. He is certainly just as human as you and I. He was one who found himself, if you keep reading, Elijah finds himself one day under a broom tree asking to die. Elijah finds himself in a cave believing he's all alone. So my friends, listen, 
We are very much a human just like Elijah. What we need to do in this text is not look at the faith of Elijah. We need to look at the faith of Jesus. Because that's what this text is doing here. It's reminding us of people. Yes, Elijah was just like you. But what you need to be reminded of, we've said it in this room numerous times, is it's not the size of your faith. It's the size of the substance of your faith. It's who our faith is in, the author and the perfecter of our faith. That's who we're setting our gaze on. Not at praying like Elijah in the sense of, man, my prayers aren't as powerful as his. That's not what James is writing to us about. That James is reminding us that he was a human like you. And he shared the same God that you have. That's where he is. You're talking about someone that struggled. Oh, Elijah was one that, he was definitely somebody that struggled. And yet God was with him. God saw him and knew him and loved him. And God sees you and knows you and loves you. May we be a community of faith that walks with one another in our faith journeys. You got the the book Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. It's just a wonderful picture of this. We're all on a journey of our faith. And, and our faith is said, it's not the size of our faith, it's the substance of our faith, it's Jesus Christ, our Lord. We're not all in the same place right now. We're not all in the same season, but we are focusing our heart on the same Christ. We wanna be able to walk with each other in our faith journeys, which leads me to the next part is may we be a community of faith that walks with one another in our wrestlings. Now, this part is not specifically in the text. The very next line we're gonna look at is about someone that wanders. And so I'm meeting us in the middle and I'm making a statement. Wrestling is not the same thing as wandering. So we need to be clear about that. It is very possible in the room that you are in a season of wrestling. It may be wrestling theologically. It may be wrestling with the circumstances of your life and having them match up to what you know is true about God and you and others. Uh, but, but wrestling is certainly part of the Christian journey. It's part of the faith journey. And so wrestling is not the same thing as wandering. But I believe we need to be, a, a, be told and be communicated to that we have to have a culture here. It's not just a message. It's not just a program. It's not just something. It needs to be a culture of our church family that we make space for people and no matter where they are in their faith journey. We're making space for you. It's not the same thing as having a seat for you. It's making space for you. And that means we expect people not to all be in the same place. And we wanna walk with you wherever you are. I say this because verses 19 and 20 are very scary texts based on, if you keep up with, uh, really, I guess it would be still more mainstream, I guess, Christian news. But if you keep up with kind of what's going on in the Christian, there have been uh, the different blogs and posts and things. You would know that the last couple weeks, there have been uh, two different individuals who just have played a massive role in, in people's lives and in the church who have walked away from their faith. And, and I, I say this very carefully. Uh, one, one is someone, Joshua Harris uh, is, is one who has, 
many ways made such an impact on my life in, 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 in different ways, even though I didn't uh, know him personally. The other is Marty Sampson, one of the uh, writers for Hillsong and written some of the most beautiful words about the grace and the kingdom of Christ uh, of, that anybody has. And, and, and so I think it's very important for us when we see something like that and we end up in a text to acknowledge what James would say to us and what Christ would speak over us in this room in regards to where we are and how we might make space for people like Josh Harris, that we might make space for people like Marty Sampson, that they could be cared for during the times of their greatest questions. And so I'm gonna read for you what Marty Sampson, uh, just a little bit of what he wrote, and it'll help kind of understand where he was. And here here were his words. He has a question. He said, how many preachers fall? He said, many, but no one talks about it. How many miracles happen? He said, not many, but no one talks about it. Why is the Bible full of contradictions? He said, no one talks about it. How can God be love yet send 4 billion people to a place all because they don't believe? No one talks about it. Christians can be the most judgmental people on the planet. They also can be some of the most beautiful and loving people I've ever seen but it's not for me. Okay, now, just to clarify, I do not believe the Bible is filled with contradictions. Uh, I I do not believe that at all. I I do believe that these are questions, especially the one regarding hell. I believe this is a question that every single person, I mean, everybody should wrestle with this. That should be a place that, it should certainly be a question. I hope you've wrestled with that, the reality of hell and what you see before you. I hope you wrestle. I certainly have. I hope that you do. We need to have a safe place for people to be able to wrestle with some of the deepest questions and some of the hardest questions that we walk with in this life in regards to the Christian faith. Do people talk about it? I I personally have had communities of people who have talked about these things with me. And, And the healing didn't happen. Is God good? Is he true? I've been in rooms where we walk through that and we clung to the goodness of Jesus. I've had people walk with me through questions about how could there be 6 billion people on the planet who you're telling me doesn't have people walk with me. I've had people walk with others. I've walked with people in that, with that same question. I can't confirm that that Marty or Josh did. I, 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 I don't know but they felt alone. I, I point you back to my man, Elijah, in a cage. And I, he, was, he was never in a cage. Let me throw that out there. Never in a cage. In a cave, in a cave, who he saw himself is all by himself. Everybody's bowing down to the bells. Everybody's doing this. Everybody's, and the Lord reminded him that day, there are 700 people who have not bowed down. He reminds him not only of his presence, he reminds him of the presence of his people. What James says to us here is something beautiful. He said, listen, if there's somebody who's wandering from the truth in your midst, he says, go get them. 
Go get them. He doesn't say go slap them, go beat them, go shame them. He says, go get them. Go love them. Sit with them, listen to them, walk with them, hug them, be around them. If they don't want to talk about it, let them know you're still there. He is saying, love the person in your midst. For there were wanderers there in the book of James. And it is so possible that today, this morning, this very day, maybe this is the first time you walk back in a room. And I want you to know, I want this to be a place where you would be recognized, you would be known, and you'd be loved. We would walk with you and lead you to Jesus Christ. May we be a community of faith that walks with one another in our sufferings, celebrations, our sickness, our sin, our healing, our faith journey, our wrestlings, and even, though I never wanted to happen, even in our wanderings. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for...